Hi everyone, another in the, uh, this is number four in the series of podcasts on the causes of crime. So let's get stuck in, because today I am talking about left realism. So we've spoken about right realism and how it uh, started being formulated in the 1970s and how it came to prominence in the 1980s and 1990s. Now, Whilst the right realism was uh, driven by, from a right-wing political perspective, the left were not happy with this, and so left-wing academics such as Jock Young devised a group of theories that collectively they called left realism. So left realism was a direct response to right realism. Now, there are a couple of interesting things about left realism. First of all, aside from it being a reaction and a response to right realism, left realists didn't accept the right realist view that, look, this is down to the individual and their poor socialization. Instead, they said there are socioeconomic reasons for criminal behavior. And in particular, a lot of crime is caused because people are you know, have been pushed to the margins of society. Now, interestingly, left realists went against the grain of, say, Marxists and other left-wing theorists. And they said, look, OK, whilst we don't accept that official crime statistics are 100% accurate, we think they are broadly accurate in that the majority of criminal offending is committed by young working class men, particularly those living in what were referred to as sink estates, uh, high crime areas, often inner city, um, social housing estates. And they said that disproportionate amounts of crime were committed by young working class black men. So that's generally the introduction to left realism. In terms of the definitive causes of crime put forward by left realists, well, they are marginalisation, subculture and relative deprivation. So what are these terms? What do they mean? And how do they explain criminal offending? OK, let's look at marginalisation. Marginalisation occurs when individuals are pushed to the very fringes of society. They have no agency over their lives, no control. They know they have limited life chances. Basically, society exists, but it isn't there for them. It doesn't represent them. It's not doing anything for them. And they're living lives of, you know, pretty much desperation that they know it's highly unlikely that things are going to change for them. So society doesn't work for them. So why should they play by society's rules? You can only imagine the anger and frustration that must build up over time. And it's this anger and frustration that comes from marginalisation that left realists believe pushes some people to commit crime. If you are a young black man, then things are worse. Because according to left realists, due to what's called military policing, which primarily takes the form of stop and search. Young black men are generally seven times more likely to be stopped and searched than young white men. 
in some areas it's higher. It's as much as 11 times more likely. Now, stop and search is pretty invidious because if you're just walking down the street and the police are stopping you, they're searching you in public, it must be fairly humili humiliating, particularly when you have done nothing wrong. And the anger and frustration that you already feel because you're marginalized is just doubled. So what is it that fuels this this stop and search, this you know military policing that means that young black men are seven times more likely to be stopped and searched than young white men? Well, things such as canteen culture, this is where the police hold um racist stereotypes the police it's argued hold stereotypes about young people certain sections of the community but particularly about young black men and the stereotype is that they are all criminals and thus this partially explains why the seven times more likely figure comes into play additionally we've also got institutional racism now, institutional racism doesn't mean that anyone is acting in a deliberately or overt racist manner. It just means that the system that has been developed means that there are less positive outcomes for people of colour, that the system is primarily designed for white people and it disadvantages people who are not white. So that's marginalisation. Now, left realists also argue that subculture comes into play and it explains offending as well. And this, again, subculture it applies to everyone, but in particular to young black working class men. Now, if I can take you on a little bit of a history trip and we go back to the 1950s and 60s, uh, Primarily black people from the Caribbean were encouraged by, by Britain to come, come to Britain um, and to help rebuild the, the mother nation in the aftermath of the Second World War. There was a shortage of people to do many of the jobs that were at the bottom of the employment ladder. So people from the Caribbean were brought back on the promise of you know, riches, uh, you know, the mother country needs you, etc. When they got here, they faced racism. They faced discrimination. People would not rent rooms or houses to black people. Signs in London that said no blacks, no Irish, no dogs were relatively common. Now, young people, uh, young black men in particular, will not accept this. They will not accept the second class status that their parents had. Instead, they have this subculture of having high material aspirations. They want the fast cars. They want, you know, the flashy jewellery, the designer clothes. But unfortunately, they experience what are referred to as blocked opportunities. The Two greatest of which are racism. We know it's an evil that is still in society, but also it's low academic achievement. Now, young black working class men and young work, white working class men or boys have the lowest academic 
achievement out of virtually every racial group. Indeed, only gypsy travellers have a worse record. And this is usually because their parents remove them uh, when from education once they've completed primary school. So if you don't have a good education, you are unlikely to be able to get a job that is going to be able to satisfy your desire for these you know, high material uh, aspirations. So what do you do? Um, Stuart Hall said that, look, the problem here is that all too often, young black men are faced with a pretty unpalatable choice. They can either be unemployed, they can go to an endless succession of training schemes, or they can do what he referred to as white man's shit work, which is, you know, the really entry level bottom of the rung work with limited hope of promotion of gaining more money. So, boom, rather like marginalization, this is going to create an awful lot of anger and frustration. And if you've, because of these blocked opportunities, you can't achieve what you want to, then rather like strain theory, yeah, it explains why some young black men in particular are going on to commit crime. So, so far we've covered marginalization and subculture, but there is a third explanation that has been put forward by left realists for why crime occurs. And this is relative deprivation. Now, when we think about the poor in this country, we have to say that the poor have never been as wealthy. By any objective measure, everybody in the country is, is wealthier and the poor included. And the poor of today have things that the poor of the 1940s and 50s could only dream about. However, the gap between the average person and the poor has increased. So the gap between the haves and the have-nots has increased. And this means that poorer people can look and they can see, we don't have access to the things that pretty much everybody else has. And that's why it's relative deprivation. Because although they're not, you know, absolutely poor where they can't afford to feed themselves they still don't have access to things like you know the cars tv satellite holidays all the things that most people take for granted people suffering from relative deprivation just do not have and like marginalization and subculture this is going to result in people feeling angry and frustrated and what's the only route they feel to get themselves out of relative deprivation. Yep, it's crime. So those are the three causes of crime, according to left realists. Now, with left realism, we also have to understand that how they believe in dealing with crime is through what they refer to as the square of crime. And this is a more holistic approach to considering crime, so that we, we need to look at not only the the offender and what motivates them but we also need to look at factors around the victim why were they there what makes them a victim we also need to look at the nature of informal control so social controls 
And we also need to look at formal controls in terms of um, the laws passed by the state and how they are policed. Left realists believe that only by considering the square of crime, these four factors, can we really genuinely deal with the issue that is crime. Now, the other topic of particular importance with left realism is that of crime prevention. And left realists believe that crime can be prevented, but only through a twofold method of intervention and improving community relations with the police. Now, intervention involves giving marginalised people the resources and opportunity to, to be a full part of society. This can mean that if we look on some of these sinker states, we could do things such as um, provide sports facilities for people in open up sort of recreation centers so we're giving people something to do um, that everybody else just takes for granted we can also look at improving transportation to make it easier for people to go to work and for the unemployed to to um, you know to to travel around and uh, go to job interviews we can also open up sort of um advisory centers where we can help people uh, develop their literacy skills we can help them apply for jobs uh talk about you know how to uh, improve their lot through benefits and additional training schemes all these things that are basically just helping the marginalized and those suffering from relative deprivation to better themselves within society. However, the, the best known intervention program is that of the, the Perry Preschool Project uh, in America. And this was where an area of social deprivation and high crime was targeted in America. And a program was made to select children from this area and bring them into school preschool age where they would work intensively with with a teacher on looking at problem solving skills working together communication skills and parents and social workers would would go into the home to you know work with the children there as well and also with the parents to get the parents on board um, with the value of education and also give the parents some of the skills to improve um, parenting as a result of this i mean the program was an un, unremitting you know success it was estimated that for every one dollar spent on the program society gained 12 or 16 dollars because you look look at the outcomes there were fewer teen pregnancies there was increased levels of employment increased level of um, education employment lower offending you know lower teenage pregnancy rates so it demonstrated that targeted intervention worked so that's a primary method of crime prevention intervention the second method of crime prevention is improving community relations with the police often communities reported that they felt over-policed and under-protected. 
this is particularly in the case where there's a high number of of young working class black men who because of military policing viewed the police as really picking on them and it was being a major problem for them so there are numerous programs that um, were available particularly in america where the police would actually get involved with the community and speak to the community and ask what is it you want from us what are your concerns because the police were just going about their job as as normal without realizing that actually the community had particularly concern particular concerns around say open drug use uh, street robbery um, or gangs and they wanted the police to target that type of offending but equally they wanted the police to be approachable they wanted to feel that the police were listening to them taking their concerns on board and that they felt respected and where this happens generally the community will come on board with the police to a far greater extent will work cooperatively with the police and there is a greater sense that the police and the community are on the same side and they're they're doing the level best for each other so that folks is left realism now if you have understood left realism well done because left realism constitutes about two-thirds of the theories on race and offending so it is an important theory to make sure you understand so make sure you understand what marginalization is make sure you understand what military policing is and how military policing is fueled by canteen culture and institutional racism understand subculture and why young black men have this culture of high material aspirations and understand why they face blocked opportunities understand also relative deprivation what it is how it manifests itself and also make sure you understand that marginalization subculture and relative deprivation both individually and collectively cause anger they cause frustration a sense of hopelessness and that the only way out is to commit crime also make sure you understand that the square of crime is essentially where left realists say we need to look at the offender we need to look at the victim we need to look at informal controls such as social pressures and norms we need to look at the law and at policing and then in terms of crime prevention we need to understand that there are two approaches intervention and improving community relations and understanding what they are and why they work so folks i hope that you found this informative and one of the best things is my dog hasn't barked during it so well done any questions queries get in touch let me know